Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are my praise. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14, New American Standard Bible. You who have shown me many troubles and distresses will revive me again and will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Psalm 71, verse 20, New American Standard Bible. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, New American Standard Bible. Hello, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm here today with R.D. Fierro, author and founder of Crystal Sea Books. Several episodes ago, we began a series we called Victory Over the Virus to help people understand how the Bible can help them overcome the trials and tribulations that accompany life in our fallen creation. Last week, we had thought we could conclude that series and begin a series that we've been wanting to get to, a discussion of fulfilled prophecy. Well, just to prove that we're not prophets, this week we realized that there was another topic that deserves attention as we begin to look past the initial effects of the virus on our nation and communities. So while we had thought we might begin our discussion of prophecy this week, interestingly enough, we're going to begin discussion on another topic so important to today. R.D., would you like to give us a brief preview? I'd love to. During our discussions this week at Crystal Sea, we realized that as people all around the nation and the world, for that matter, start to look past the immediate crisis, the next phase that we're all going to confront is what we decided to call restoration and recovery. And unsurprisingly, that's a subject that the Bible addresses frequently. I say unsurprisingly because naturally, an omniscient God is going to know that there are going to be hard times in the lives of his people and that as important as it is for God to shepherd his people through those times, it's going to be equally important to help them find recovery and restoration as they start to emerge from the deepest parts of the valley. And fortunately for us, the Bible gives us a number of examples of times in the past, during the biblical period, when the Lord guided his people through recovery from events that were at least as traumatic as the ones that we've just experienced. Right. And you said that today, as an illustration, as one of those times of recovery you want to take a look at, the post-exilic period in ancient Israel's history. To briefly set the stage, this is a period in Israel's history that occurred after the nation of Judah had endured 70 years of exile, primarily under Babylonian control. And, 
Just a quick note about prophecy. The length and place of the exile had been prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. And a different prophet, Isaiah, prophesied about how the Jews' deliverance from exile would be accomplished by the decree of a king named Cyrus. Yes, and history records that that is exactly what happened. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, conquered the nation of Judah around 605 B.C. And then in 539 B.C., the Persian king, Cyrus, conquered Babylon. Now, Cyrus was a very capable ruler. Not only did he extend the empire of the Persians, which was actually a consolidated empire between the Medes and the Persians, but he also wanted that kingdom, his empire, to be peaceful and prosperous. So, as part of Cyrus's plan to consolidate his control over the areas that he had conquered, Cyrus allowed people who had been deported from their homeland under the Babylonians, like the Jews, Cyrus allowed those deported peoples to return back to their homelands. Now, Cyrus was probably motivated, at least in part, by a belief which was widespread in those days, that every land and nation had their own gods, and that those gods were happiest when they were being properly worshipped. So it's quite likely that Cyrus thought that by allowing the Jews to return to their homeland and rebuild their temple, that that would help pacify the Jews' God, and in turn would make the God of the Jews more favorable to him, Cyrus. So even though it's likely that Cyrus wasn't really a believer in the one true God, that doesn't mean that God could not use Cyrus as a part of bringing his plans, God's plans, to fruition. Well, God, the real God, can and does use a lot of different means to accomplish his purposes. So, he could easily use even an erroneous belief system to still achieve his goals. In this case, the restoration of the Israelites to their homeland according to the time frame he had established. Well, before we go too much further down this path, as part of us all wanting to help accomplish the Lord's goals for our day and time, let's listen to a brief message of encouragement that R.D. has recorded for the church. This is a message about what the church can do today to demonstrate the hope that Christ gives to a hurting world. Encouragement for the Church Many in the body of Christ have rightfully lamented the state of our nation's culture and the decline in the number of those who honor Jesus with their lives and worship. Well, in the midst of the difficult circumstances created by the COVID-19 virus's arrival on our shores, the church has a unique role to play. We can and should be the first to fall to our knees to pray for the protection of our nation and communities, and we can set the example of being good citizens as Romans chapter 13 exhorts us to. We can also be sensitive and compassionate to those around us, and we can and should respond to the opportunities to serve others as the Lord presents those opportunities to us. And when we bring the practical love and service to others that Christ modeled for us, we can also be alert to tell them of the reason that we want to serve and help. Jesus established the model of attending to the practical needs of the people who sought Him. He fed, healed, and comforted them 
but he always did so with a heart towards giving them the gospel, the good news that he was there to bring eternal hope as well as earthly help. Jesus brought healing to the multitudes and then died for our sins. We honor him best when we imitate his service and there is no more important time to extend his love to others than when affliction is in our midst. Crystal Sea Books prays for health and strength for all and especially that we can all bring the light and comfort of Christ to a waiting world. I like that message because it is a good reminder that even during the midst of terrible times, God wants His people to be part of extending His love to every tribe, tongue, and nation. God can use anybody for His glory, including pagan emperors, but most often, He chooses to work through His people, and that's a huge blessing to His people. It's such a remarkable thought that the almighty, everlasting God has a role for each of us to play in His plan. Amen. And this sort of brief side journey about an instance of God's sovereignty and prophetic fulfillment in the past helps us get back to our main subject of how God works in the lives of his people to bring about recovery and restoration, just as he did in post-exilic Israel. The third scripture that we heard today from the book of Nehemiah was written during the period when some of the Jews, though not all, had left the places they had been living under the Babylonian exile, and those Jews returned to Palestine. Now, at the time that the scripture from Nehemiah was being written, much of the early rebuilding work in Palestine, especially in Jerusalem, had been completed, including the restoration of the wall around Jerusalem. So Nehemiah, who had been appointed the governor of Palestine by the Persian emperor, gathered all the peoples in sort of a city square, which was basically a large open area within the walls, and for several hours the people were listening to their scriptures being read to them. Now, this is obviously during a time long before printing presses or other forms of mass copying. So, unlike today, very few people would have had their own copy of the scripture, probably practically none, and very few of them would even have had access to the scripture. So while it seems maybe a little strange for us, for people to listen for hours on end to scripture being read, in those days that would have been the single best and most practical way for those people to be able to actually hear the scriptures, to have someone, like a priest or a scribe, read the scriptures to them. So that's what Nehemiah was basically doing. He wanted to reintroduce the Jews who had returned from Babylon back to Palestine and specifically in Jerusalem. He wanted them to once again hear and become intimately familiar with their scriptures. So he got them together in a large open square and he had the priests and the scribes read their scriptures to them. And obviously, when we talk about the scriptures, we're only talking about what would have been a portion of what we now call the Old Testament. This event is taking place hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and not even all of the books of the Old Testament had been completed at that time. Excellent point. Anyway, the people have been listening to their scriptures being read, and as they listen, they realize how far their ancestors, their predecessors, had departed from the Lord's commandments. So, as so often happens when people start to realize the extent of sin, not only in their lives, but in the lives of their parents and grandparents, when the people began to realize the extent of the sin that they were recognizing because of the scriptures being read, the people began to be sad and they were weeping. Well, what happens next is what I find so fascinating. 
and what I think provides several important lessons for us today. And that is? Well, contrary to how many people think today about God in the church, Nehemiah and Ezra, who was a priest, didn't say to the people, Yes, you all should be sad and ashamed of yourselves and ashamed of your ancestors. Nehemiah and Ezra didn't say that at all. Instead, Nehemiah and Ezra proclaimed, It's time for a feast. That is a little surprising. Today, Christians, and especially Christian ministers, are often caricatured in many circles as only being interested in making people feel guilty and depressed. But Nehemiah and Ezra told the people to stop weeping. In fact, they wanted the people to begin enjoying the goodness of God by enjoying good food and sweet drinks. Though not what we think of as sweet drinks. More like really good grape juice. So what do we learn from that? I think we begin to learn a number of things that have really significant implications for us as we begin our own recovery and restoration from the effects of the virus. Let's start with the fact that godly restoration and godly recovery starts with, unsurprisingly, a focus on the Word of God. Now for us, that's the Bible. Unsurprisingly? Is that your word for the day? Well, would it be a surprise if I told you yes? No. So I agree with you that it should never be a surprise to God's children that anything that's good and positive starts with a focus on the Word of God. So what do you think we should learn specifically from this? Well, I think it's noteworthy that Nehemiah and Ezra gathered the people together to have them listen to the Scriptures. And even though, as I explained before, that was really the best way for the people to hear the Scriptures because there weren't a lot of copies floating around for people to read, Even today, it's not a bad idea for us to gather around a time of Bible reading. You know, there was a time in America when daily Bible reading was pretty much a habit for most American families. They would gather around either in the evening or before a meal or whatever, and somebody in the family, either the father or the mother or sometimes the kids, would actually read aloud from the Bible. Now, today, in our day and age, for a lot of people, It may be that the only time that there is a time of congregate scripture reading is when they go to church. But you know, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for us to hearken back to, I won't call them the good old days, but to hearken back to a time when the people of our culture were more closely connected to the Bible. It may not be a bad idea for us to figure out how we can do more of that out loud Bible reading in groups. And that could either be in group Bible studies, when everyone can get back together, or at least do it in our families until then. That makes sense. Recovery and restoration are gifts from God. So if we want to experience His blessing, it makes sense that we should start out by seeking His mind and heart. And the Bible, which is the very Word of God, is the only place we can go to know that. So what's next? I think it's important to know the people's reaction to hearing the Word. Hearing the Word affected them so much that they started crying. Now, to me, that's an indication of active listening. The people weren't just sort of standing around letting the words hit them. They weren't, in effect, just listening. They were actively listening. They absorbed the lessons from what they were hearing enough to know that there were some things about their lives that probably needed to change. Now, Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. So, when we come to the Bible, when we either read it or we listen to it audibly, it's so important not to just read or listen to the words, 
but to let those words speak to our hearts and point out areas in our own lives where we need to change. Yes. It's been said that the Bible is the only book in the world that judges man rather than being judged by man. So your point is that if we want to begin a genuine recovery and restoration for ourselves, our community, and our nation, it has to start with going to God and hearing from Him. And the only way to do that is a renewed focus on the Bible. Exactly. And then let's see where this example from Nehemiah leads to next. The people knew that some things needed to change, but Nehemiah and Ezra didn't allow them to just dwell on past failings. Nehemiah and Ezra reminded the people that it was time to begin to recognize God's holiness, starting with celebrating God's goodness. And one of the ways that they could do that in those days, and even today, to celebrate God's goodness is with great food and drink. Now, this harkens back to Ecclesiastes 3.4, where the preacher, and many people believe that the preacher was Solomon, says that there is a time and a season for everything. And one of the lines out of that portion of Ecclesiastes is, There is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Nehemiah and Ezra were telling the people that it was time to move on, that there had been a time of mourning and weeping under the Babylonian exile and in those hard early days after the return back to Palestine. There had been a time of mourning and weeping. But Nehemiah and Ezra were telling the people that that time was passing, and now it was a time to laugh, and a time to dance, and a time to feast, and a time to celebrate. Now, obviously in our present situation with this virus, we need to be intelligent about how we move on. But the same basic point is sound. We can't really pursue true restoration and recovery if we only focus on the past, no matter how recent or painful that past may be. We have to learn from the past. We have to apply the lessons that we get from the past. But again, back to Ecclesiastes, just as there was a time to tear apart, there is also a time to sew together. And so in order for recovery and restoration to begin and take hold, we have to move past the time of weeping and mourning, the time of tearing apart, and we have to move forward into a time of restoration, recovery, of laughing and celebrating. So just as Nehemiah and Ezra told the people of their day, hey, let's start doing some celebration, I think that that probably isn't a bad idea in our current time. I don't think it's a bad idea to try to figure out how we can apply that principle to the situations that we're facing today. Maybe it's a time to start enjoying life as best we can and to do a little celebrating. And that seems like an eminently practical approach to our current situation. We were in the valley, and we've walked through it. Now it's time to start climbing out. I like that way of putting it. All of us have been walking through one kind of valley or another. Some of those valleys have been deeper than others. But we can't stay in the valley forever. In Psalm 23, David said that the Lord was with him as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But David walked through the valley. He didn't camp there. And I think that same thing needs to be recognized today. We need to be walking through that valley and, as you said, starting to climb out. Exactly. We realize that money is tight for many just now, but not for everyone. For those who have the ability to help others, this would be a wonderful time to purchase gift certificates for local restaurants, shops, and businesses to be given to friends and family as holiday gifts later this year. 
sort of Christmas in May shopping. Thus, the gift is a triple blessing. Of course, it will be a gift from you to a friend or family member, but more importantly, it provides cash to those local businesses now when they are most struggling and then not having to provide the value of the certificate until the holiday season. The amount you spend for gift certificates is not different than what you would normally do, but its benefits are multiplied threefold because you are doing it a little early. This is a lot like the loaves and fishes. For those who can afford it, I'd like to think that shopping now with future gift certificates is a blessing three times over. Yes, and note that those verses from Nehemiah tell the people to take some food and drink to those who have nothing prepared. Now, that was actually an idiomatic way of saying that those who had extra should share the good things that they had with the less fortunate or the poor. So that wasn't a way of saying the words sort of sound to us like they were saying, well, the people who didn't get their act together and get stuff ready, we should share with them. No, they were actually saying that when they were talking about those who have nothing prepared, they were talking about sharing with those who just couldn't afford anything, the less fortunate or the poor. So it was a different way of saying uh, Nehemiah and Ezra were encouraging the people to remember the poor and to share with them. Right. And I think that's a critical thought. We're not going to experience a meaningful recovery unless it's a widespread recovery. Even if things get better for us individually, the effect will be almost meaningless if our friends, neighbors, and communities don't also recover. So again, where possible, we should make sure that we're watching for ways to actively share our blessings. In some cases, this may mean taking food or supplies to those who can't get them, or maybe buying a little extra, not hoarding, and sharing it with those who are still struggling. And even if someone isn't currently in a financial position to do anything, they can reach out and share encouragement, especially to people in nursing homes and assisted living facilities or who are sheltered. For people who live in institutions, they're cut off for weeks now from their friends and family and support structures. Of course, for the elderly who are tech-savvy enough to have a cell phone, calling them is great, but a lot of the elderly may not have a cell phone. But you can still send them cards and notes. Getting something in the mail is a very special time when you're an institution. Sometimes, just knowing that others are thinking of you can be the best form of encouragement. So we should examine how we are connecting with the Bible. And how we are letting the Bible connect with us. And how we let the Bible connect with us. Exactly. We should take a fresh look at the Bible and recommit ourselves to not only personal Bible study, but including how we use the Bible in group settings. We should also take some time to celebrate the Lord's goodness to us in some kind of tangible way. It may be by enjoying a favorite food or dessert, but it doesn't have to be with food. But we should make an effort to create a tangible way of telling us and our friends that it's time to begin thinking and moving forward. But we must not forget that not everyone will enjoy all the blessings that we may have. So we should be quick to share our physical blessings and provide abundant encouragement where it is needed. Exactly. As we start to move forward into recovery and restoration, we should remember Nehemiah's observation that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to need the Lord's wisdom and strength daily, not even just daily, but hour by hour and minute by minute, for our recovery to continue and for our restoration to be complete. And we must never forget that this virus has created permanent loss for some of our friends and neighbors, so they may need more time to either grieve or find a way to cope. The Bible reminds us to weep with those who weep 
and to laugh with those who laugh, well, there will be all kinds of need that are all around us. Some around us are going to continue to need to complete their weeping, but others are going to need the encouragement not to continue to dwell on the past. The Lord will give us wisdom to know which is which if we're sincere in our desire to seek His leading. All that seems very sensible. We should, as always, try to meet people at their point of need while we remind them and ourselves that recovery and restoration physically is far less likely than if we don't start from a firm spiritual foundation, and that can only be found in studying the Bible and in prayer. Do you have any other thoughts about how people can progress? Yes. For this nation and the world, the onset of COVID-19 has been one of those monumental events that occur from time to time, and they mark the seasons of our lives. Now, I'm old enough to remember where I was when I heard that President Kennedy had been assassinated. And of course, 9-11, that infamous day, is a lot nearer to our day and time, but 9-11 was also a clear marker of their life for many people. Now, a happier time marker in my own life, again, for people of my age, is when Neil Armstrong first set foot on the moon. I can still remember where I was for each of those seminal events, for 9-11, for when President Kennedy was assassinated, and when Neil Armstrong first put his foot on the moon. I can remember those events. They mark times and seasons of change in our lives, those kinds of big major events. Now, this virus isn't just a single event, but I think it's going to have a very similar effect for many people. People are going to think about life before the virus hit and afterwards. And that's okay, provided we keep the virus and its effects in context. You know, seminal events can be transformative, but they can be transformative in either a good way or a bad way. Well, one of the best ways to make sure that those seminal events are transformative in a good way is to start to keep like a daily prayer journal or a diary. And that prayer journal should chronicle the things that you prayed for, how you prayed, why you prayed, and then you should be able to record how the Lord answered specific prayers. You know, as we move forward in time, it's so easy to forget how the Lord sustained us in particular ways. And future trials will come our way, but God will still be there. And if we remember how well He cared for us in the past, it can help us in our present struggles. That's one of the real benefits of a prayer journal, like the kind that you suggest. As we've talked about, Romans 5.3 tells us that struggles produce endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces confidence. God's plan unfolds. Sometimes it unfolds slowly, but it unfolds surely. And as the verse from Psalm 71 in our opening scripture says, God may have shown us troubles, but it is He who will bring us up from the depths. Since we're coming up on Mother's Day, how about if we close today by offering a prayer of God's blessing to be on our mother and the mothers of our friends and neighbors. A prayer for mothers. Father, you created all life and people out of your unlimited love. Lord, I pray that you would bless and protect my mother, hold her close to you, and provide for all her needs. I pray that you would give her health and protection and surround her with friends and companions. I pray that she would be a blessing to them and they to her. 
I pray that you would provide for her financial and material needs, especially during uncertain times. Your word tells us to honor our father and mother, for in doing so we not only honor them, we also honor you and bring blessings into our own lives. My desire is to be found faithful in whatever ways you call, so help me to pay special attention in those areas where your word is so clear. Grant me wisdom so that I may plan wisely for my mother. Help me to know how to bring joy into her life. Help me to slow down when necessary to be with her and talk to her, reminding me that someday I will hope that others will do the same for me. Bless my mother by giving her the blessed touch of your nearness and grant that she may have a deeper relationship with Christ, for your Son is her Lord and mine. In Christ's name I pray and give thanks. Amen. We'd like to remind our audience that a lot of our radio episodes are linked together in series of topics. So if they've missed any episodes, or if they just want to hear one again, all of these episodes are available on your favorite podcast app. To find them, just search on Anchored by Truth by Crystal Sea Books. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where we're not famous, but our boss is.